Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Who are you to tell me what to do? Have you ever asked that out loud or felt like asking it but kept your mouth shut? Who are you to tell me what to do? You can imagine really that it would be said in that tone, wouldn't it? That kind of like accusative tone with the assumption that the person that you're speaking to is nobody really of any importance or at least nobody any importance over you? It's a dangerous question to ask, actually, because if you put that out there, there is the chance that the person who responds really does have authority to tell you what to do. Al, if you could put my PowerPoint up. It's an especially dangerous thing to say if you're speaking to a police officer, isn't it? Gav crept in at the back there, was a little bit worried that he might come in and tell me what to do. He has authority and power. That question, who are you to tell me what to do, is almost the spirit of the age, actually, isn't it? The idea that we are ultimately in charge of ourselves, and we might go along with certain instructions, certain rules, certain social norms that other people will throw at us. Ultimately, we think that we are in charge. And for anybody, really, in any circumstance, to tell us what to do is a negative and a bad thing. We are masters of our own fates and all that. But there are, when you stop and think about it, plenty of relationships where it's genuinely fair to ask that question. I'm sure we can think of circumstances and situations in our own lives, or in the lives of people who are near us, or even just make-believe people in our minds, where someone is exercising authority that they really shouldn't have where people are taking advantage, where people are bullying and using force to get people to do things that they really shouldn't be doing. Does that make sense? Have you ever felt like that? Peer pressure and all those sorts of things. Who are you to tell me what to do? Sometimes we can ask it and it's like accusative and it's us kind of standing up for our own rights and it's a dangerous thing to ask depending on the person. Sometimes, probably, it's worthwhile stopping and asking, well, who is this person to tell me what to do? Why am I listening? Why am I following the rule and the law in that circumstance and in that situation? Sometimes it's a good question to ask. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just provoking, isn't it? I want us to get our heads in the right space for where we are in Mark's Gospel Um, just to remind us what we were looking at last week. And it was the incident where Jesus quite forcefully told people to get out. Do you remember? Uh, There was the goings-on around the fig tree, but then there was Jesus going into the temple and clearing it, observing what was happening in the most holy of spaces, where people were supposed to come and worship and invite others to worship, and Jesus did not like what he saw, did he? He said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for the nations, and yet you have turned it into a den of robbers. 
And very forcefully indeed, Jesus said to those people who were trading, who were changing money in the temple, he said, get out. We didn't look at it much last week, but if you're reading along in Mark chapter 11, there's this note that says, at that point, people like the chief priests, the elders, the teachers of the law, uh, that kind of catch-all term for those people who were in positions of authority amongst the Jewish people, they started to plot to kill him. That there was a link between Jesus going in, commanding these people to get out, clearing them out, tipping over tables, whatever it looked like. And these in authority starting to get the ball rolling, the, the mechanisms working for Jesus to be murdered. Because of his actions, they began to plot to kill him. That's where we are when we come to Mark chapter 11, verse 27 this morning. If you've got your Bible, you can open it to Mark chapter 11, verse 27. The words will come up on the screen as I read the relevant bits to follow along. And um, that's the context. Jesus is now in Jerusalem. He's been welcomed as king. He's gone into the temple. And it's fair to say he started to ruffle some feathers. Chapter 11, verse 27. This is what we read. They arrived again in Jerusalem. And while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. And this is what they asked. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked? Who gave you authority to do this? That question again, all those questions again. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked? And who gave you authority to do this. I mean, if you boil it down, this is what they're asking, isn't it? Who are you, Jesus, to tell us what to do? Who are you, Jesus, to go over our heads and reverse decisions that we've already made? Who do you think you are? In your Bibles, it might have the title, Jesus's Authority Questions. And that is exactly what they're doing, isn't it? They're, they're coming with this question and they're asking, like, is it even possible for you to do that? How come? Oh, who said that that's okay? See, they had been exercising their authority, hadn't they? The chief priests, uh, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Those who had positions, those who had responsibility, they had a certain amount of authority and they'd exercise that in a particular way to say that certain things were allowed to happen in the temple. That's how the money changers, that's how the people selling doves had come into the court of the Gentiles because these people had said, that's okay, that's fine. They'd even said, that's a good idea. They'd exercised their authority. And Jesus coming in and saying, no, get out. Stop doing that. That is not what this space is supposed to be used for. He was actually challenging their authority, wasn't he? He was going over their heads and he was reversing a decision that they'd made. So the question is a genuine question. Or it can be a genuine question. If they've been exercising their authority... And then Jesus comes along and kind of goes above their heads. It's fair enough in one sense to ask the question, well, who is this guy to tell us what to do? Who is this guy to challenge our authority? Who is this guy to start putting in new rules and laws and ways of working 
which go against the things that we've been laying out. They know their position. They know their responsibility. They know the authority that they have. And so there's a sense in which it's a genuine question. Jesus, who are you to tell us what to do? Imagine, again, uh, a police officer scenario. And a message comes down to the station in Amford, and it's a strange message. It's not quite the sort of instruction that most of the officers who were on duty that day expect to receive. What would be sensible for them to do is to question the validity of the message, to question the authority of the person who had passed it down. Just check, who is this coming from? Is this coming from someone who is in charge and whose words and rules and instructions we have to follow? It can be a genuine question. I say it can be. Because if you read this passage, there's really, to me, no sense in which these people are actually asking this question, is there? They don't actually want to know the answer. They're not genuinely seeking and wondering, oh, oh Jesus, you seem to be throwing your weight around. Um, on what basis is that, please? Can we, can we find out? It's a smoke screen. It's actually, if they're honest, their attempts to get the ball rolling on their plot to kill Jesus. They don't actually want to know the answer to this question. They want him to speak in an incriminating way. They want him to say something that they can then justify arresting him and putting him to death. They actually want to get their plot off the ground. And Jesus, well, he spots that. And we, we really, I think, learn a lot from how he responds to them. We'll pick it up in verse 29. Jesus replied to this disingenuous question. I will ask you one question. You answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism. Now, do we remember who John is? John the Baptist? the one who was going before Jesus, he was out there, he was baptizing, he was telling people actually that one greater than him was going to follow. John was very popular. Um, lots of people trusted him, believed in him. He's the one who ultimately was beheaded by Herod. So Jesus' question to them is this, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. So he's basically asking them the question, well, who do you think gave John the authority to do what he was doing? Do you think he was a, a God-given prophet, or do you just think he was someone who had ideas above his station and went around making things up and proclaiming things himself? He says, well, before I answer your question, you answer it in, in terms of John the Baptist. Okay, that's what's going on. They, the chief priests, teachers of the law, the elders, they discuss it amongst themselves, and they said, if we say about John the Baptist from heaven, then Jesus will ask us, well, why didn't you believe him? Why didn't you listen to him? If he really was a God-given prophet, why didn't you guys follow along with him like the people did? But, on the other hand, if we dismiss him as we want to, as simply a human who had ideas above his own station, if we say, of human origin dot, 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 fill in the blanks. 
Well, they don't want to say that because the people, everyone held that John really was a prophet. So if they stood up publicly and said John was just in it for himself, he was just a man, nothing special, no truth to his message, they'd be undermining their own authority as people who were supposed to discern the truth and disseminate the truth about God. So they come up with a clever answer. They answered Jesus, we don't know. They did know. They knew that he was a true prophet. They didn't want to agree with that, and they certainly didn't want to fool themselves publicly. So they lie to Jesus, and they say, we do not know. Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you make of Jesus' answer to the question, which could have been genuine, who are you to tell us what to do, but wasn't genuine? What do you make of his answer? Do you think that he's being a smart aleck? Or do you think that he gives a really strong answer? Um, actually, this question that comes is part of the first of four questions that people are going to put to Jesus. And as we kind of work our way through uh, chapter 12 and, and onwards, uh, you'll see that all of the questions that are being asked are slightly more genuine than the last, and Jesus responds accordingly. What I think is fascinating, by the way, that Jesus answers here, it isn't so much him being a smart aleck, as it is shining a spotlight on the people who are asking the question. He's, he's taking it really from being a situation where he is being examined and turning it into a situation where they are being examined. He's discerned their motives. He's discerned how genuine they are in asking this question. And really, he's shining a spotlight on their inconsistencies, on their inability themselves to know what is going on. He knows that this is just a part of verse 18, them plotting to kill him. And so a straight answer wouldn't have worked. A straight answer wouldn't really have been meeting any sort of challenge. Where do you get this authority from, Jesus? From my Father in heaven. Aha, see, blasphemy. We knew that he'd do it. Off with his head. So he doesn't meet it head-on because meeting it head-on actually wouldn't have been answering any question. He shines the light back on them, swings the spotlight, and is really showing us or helping us to ask the question of those chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders about whether they have any authority themselves to judge who has authority, whether they've got any authority themselves to judge whether Jesus truly is from heaven or not. Jesus' question back to them in a simpler form is this. Are you even able to recognize and admit godly authority when you see it? I don't know about you either, but for me, I feel like Jesus does answer the question. That even though there isn't an explicit answer, the implied answer is there. Who are you? Well, I'm the one who can. Who gave you this authority? I have this authority anyway. I mean, we know from the rest of Scripture it's the sons via the Father, but Jesus isn't dodging the question even, is he? Uh, they'd have been left in no uncertain terms who Jesus thinks has authority in this situation. 
So he's not dodging it. He's pointing to John, implying that John has authority from heaven, and then really latching on to that idea that John said about Jesus, one who is greater than I is coming. I'm the greatest. I am the be all and end all. He could have phrased it so many ways, but we, we get the answer, even if it doesn't come from his lips. Jesus has authority. He is the one who gives out authority. But I don't necessarily want us to focus in on that particular question this morning about whether or not Jesus has authority, because that could be a question for you, or you might have a multitude of different questions. What I want us to see this morning is how it's possible to come to Jesus with right-sounding questions, but really dodgy motives. Honest questions that are being used as a smokescreen. I hope, and I really do hope this, that you feel like you can come with questions to to us, to the church, to the Bible, to Jesus himself. But I really think we need to see this morning that when we ask questions, we've got to be prepared to have honest answers. Because there's a way, isn't there, that sometimes we can simply ask questions as they were, not seeking a truthful answer, but using a question as an excuse to maintain a belief that we already have or to push Jesus and the truth further and further and further away from us. We can ask honestly, or we can ask the question thinking that we've already got it figured out. I genuinely think that the challenge for us this morning, whether we're believers or not, is to come with honest, genuine questions and anticipating that we won't get smart Alec responses from Jesus, but that we will get strong, robust answers. I think it's, again, I think I've mentioned this a couple of weeks running. I think it's a genuine tragedy that there are these people recorded in the Gospels who have seen Jesus, who have witnessed what he had to do, who have heard his teaching, and yet they totally miss out on the truth. They totally miss out on the truth. Imagine being able to be in that situation where you have him flesh and blood in front of you. You get to ask the question, well, Jesus, where does your authority come from? And being able to hear that answer. Imagine that. But they don't do that. Because their question is not a genuine question, because it's not an honest question, they miss out on that wonderful truth of who Jesus is. And what he has come to do. It's a tragedy, I think, so many times in the Gospels when we see people encountering Jesus. But because of their hearts being hard, they, they leave and they're not changed. Because their eyes are so tightly closed, they leave and they have not seen. Because their fingers are pressed so deeply into their ears that no matter the question they're asking, there's no way. There's no way that they're going to hear the truth from Jesus' lips. And so I say again, whether you're a person of faith or not this morning, whether you're a believer in Jesus or not this morning, the encouragement, the example that we should be taking is the anti-example of what they do. When we see how silly and, and tragic it is that they get that chance to ask the question but don't properly do it, 
Surely the challenge for us is to come and to enter into a real, genuine dialogue. To ask a brilliant question like that, Jesus, by what authority? Why should I listen to you? To ask any myriad of other questions that we might have, genuine questions, doubts. Bring your doubts to Jesus' day is every day. He's willing to answer our questions when we ask them. But perhaps when we ask those questions, we should in some way, shape, or form expect the spotlight to be shone back on us. Because what these people really, really needed wasn't to see where Jesus' authority came from, who he was. What they really, really needed to see first and foremost was their own hearts, their own selves, how they didn't really want the truth no matter how it was packaged. And I think when we come with open, with honest questions to Jesus, whatever they might be, we've got to be prepared a little bit to have the spotlight shone back on us. Why do we ask the questions we ask? Why do we ask them the way that we do? What about ourselves is stopping us from seeing and receiving a true and honest answer from Jesus? Do you know what I mean? Surely you've got questions that you only ask because you feel safer standing on the other side of ignorance. Uh, we've been praying for UCCF this morning, and a couple of weeks ago I had the privilege of going down to Swansea University and spending time with students over a lunch answering the question on whether or not the Bible is reliable, whether it's old, too old to trust, whether it's been uh, changed, whether the people who wrote it were being genuine or not in the, in the first instance. And you know, they're, they're genuinely good questions to ask. When we put so much weight, so much stock, so much of our life on the Bible, it's, it's sensible to ask the question, well, is it something that we can trust? Is it reliable? Was it made up by the people who wrote it? Or did they genuinely believe the things that they wrote about? Has it been changed ever since? You know, these are good questions. But, you know, there are some people who come and they will ask those questions, and they don't want to know the answer. They prefer to live in the world that they've constructed for themselves where the Bible is a lie and you'd have to be silly to trust it. Do you know you can ask that question, is the Bible too old to trust? Is it reliable enough? You can ask it honestly and find honest answers or you can ask it ingenuinely and you won't find any sort of answer that will help satiate your thirst on the welcome desk over there, there is a, um, a little book, and I want to offer anybody who wants to take one, to take one for free. It's called Grill a Christian, and I started counting the number of questions that people have that are listed in it, and I got bored because it's a lot. It's a comprehensive book looking at all the sorts of questions that people ask, Christians and non-Christians, about Jesus and the Christian faith, and it tries to give an answer to all of those questions. I'd encourage you, if you've got questions, pick one up. Leaf through it. Find a question that is actually on your heart that you genuinely want to know the response to. And see and come and find that there is a sensible response. Or start at the beginning and work your way through right till the end and see that actually, no matter really what sort of question you come up with, Christianity and Jesus himself has got a robust answer for it. Ask your questions 
ask them truly and honestly of Jesus. Expect some part of the answer to be examining you and your heart and your motives and the things that are a barrier to you. But expect in Jesus to find the truth and true answers. I just want to finish by saying again that I genuinely think this is such an important question. Who are you to tell us? Who are you to tell us what to do? This is a massive barrier and obstacle for people to get their heads around the idea that there is a book or a God behind a book who has any sort of authority over us, who can tell us how we should live our lives, who can tell us about the things we're supposed to care about, the way that we're supposed to use our time, our money, our energies, and our affections. I genuinely think if you come to Jesus and you ask him this question, you need to be prepared to find out that he is, well, he is the one who spoke creation into existence in the first place, isn't he? That he is the one who holds all things together by his powerful word, the entire world. That he is the one who has come to defeat death and to welcome us into his family. That he is the same one who not only tells us what to do, but makes us wonderful promises about what we get in him and through him. He is the one who gets to command us. He is the one in whom we have life and without whom we find only death. Don't be like the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders who come and they ask their questions and their smoke screens. They've already made their mind up. They do not want to know. Come. Ask your questions of Jesus, the one who is the way, the life, and the truth. Listen to his answers and find life. Let's pray together before we finish. Lord God, we thank you that Jesus is able to see the question that is on our hearts, whether we're able to see it or not. We thank you that Jesus in this episode really knew what these people were struggling with and in a sense answered that question for them. Lord, we thank you that there's no question honestly asked that is too big or indeed too small for you. That Jesus' desire, that your desire, Father, is for us to be led into the truth about Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to ask questions. It's scary to admit that we don't know. It's scary to ask a question not necessarily knowing what the answer will be and where that will lead us. Scary perhaps to ask a question in the fear of being judged for the sort of question we ask. Lord, whether it's a question of coming to faith, who is this Jesus, can I trust in him? Or whether it's a question of someone who already has faith about the implications of that in our lives. Lord, I pray you would give us courage and the strength to ask our questions. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the answer. Lord, I pray that you would help us ultimately to come to the truth that is in Jesus, that we might find life and peace and joy and hope in no other but him. Amen. hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. 
and we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.